Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, what up? Welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. We got uh, David Klatsky, of course, the head coach at NYU. Part two coming up, which includes what made him decide to lead Division One basketball. Actually, you know, he left the private sector to become a coach. What made him leave a successful run at Colgate to be in a, to be a head coach at the Division Three level? So we'll, we'll get to that in a second. First, a, a couple of of quick thoughts, you know, I was watching the U.S. women's national team play, and they got eliminated in soccer in the World Cup in round of sixteen. And it was it was making me think of those of those dreary years of the men's side in basketball. Right? Remember when we lost the the World Championships on our own soil? We actually got third place, and Argentina won it. And it's interesting, you know, we got the World Cup coming up this uh, this summer. We'll obviously recap it. Steve Kerr's coaching it, uh, but. You know, we've only been able to maintain this level of dominance for the most part. We have a couple of our star players. You know, the last Olympics was Kevin Durant who kind of carried us actually probably the last two Olympics. But now as we start getting further and further down the pecking order, we can act like we don't care. But even when we do care, we're not nearly as dominant as we used to be. And there's some parallels there, obviously, to the women's national team uh, in soccer. But I think it's, it's going to be fascinating to see kind of how we evolve as a national power in basketball as people have individually caught up to us. And remember FIBA, if you've played in those rules, it's a different game. But I'm interested to see with kind of kind of some secondary, even tertiary level talent for Steve, for Steve Kerr, what that looks like in an international setting because the game is very different, very physical, um, a lot more set-oriented. And in the past, let's just be honest, we've been able to win because we have a better player or two, right? We play hard, play physical, and then we just jump up and make, make a couple more shots and make a couple more athletic plays than anybody else. And that's, that's been enough. But now once you get to a slightly lesser level of talent, I don't think you can win that way. I just don't. It, it doesn't mean they can't win. I just don't think they can win the way they've won previously. Right? All right, let's, let's, uh, let's catch up with David Klasky. Here's, here's part two. You finish up at Penn. What, what was your what was your thought in terms of your plan, what you wanted to do? So, again, I, I worked that internship my junior summer, and I got offered the job right after. So I had a job coming out of my senior year, 
at Merrill Lynch, which was a big time job. So I was excited about it. I was finally going to make some money. Um, had a good senior year and then never even really thought about playing. And then I remember I got a call from uh, a friend of mine who's an agent, Keith Glass, and he's like, I can get you a job in Israel. Like you got citizenship. Do you want to play? And this was in like April, like when I was done, right? Like I finished and you, you probably, you played a couple of years after. Uh, so you were probably still in, in play mode, but I was already kind of checked out. I love basketball, but I was kind of like, oh man, like play. Yeah, I do. I do want to play, but I'm, I haven't touched basketball in two, two weeks, <laughs> you know? Uh, and I, I, I just, I regret it now, but I wish I'd gone and played like a year or two and got to travel a little bit and competed and see, see how it went. But I just, I was so excited about this job and moving to New York city and, and having some money. And, and, uh, so I, I passed on that and I just, I started working, you know, I think if we graduated in May, I probably started working middle of June. So I had a month to myself and traveled a little bit and then started the job. You have to wear a suit every day. For my first part, I worked down on the floor of the New York Soccer Exchange. So yeah, you would have to wear a suit down there. It was more like a shirt and tie, and then you had a like a special jacket you would just put on. You'd leave there. So yeah, uh, dress nicely, and then um, the next. So I did that for two and a half years, and then five and a half years, I was up on the like a floor uh, at a different company called Night Capital, and that was business casual. So that was you know slacks and a button down. What is the floor like? You're you're 21 years old on the floor of New York Stock Exchange. Again, you're at the bottom of the food chain. So doesn't matter how smart you are, doesn't matter how what you're gonna be, you are at the bottom of the food chain. So anything that somebody doesn't want to do, or uh, one of the senior traders, however they want to treat you, they can treat you. Um, so it was pretty hectic, and this was before you know uh, com- uh, computerization basically took effect. So there was a little bit of that going on, but it was. I like to describe my jobs in Wall Street of 90% of the time, it was slow, you're messing around, you're doing fun, you know, not fun things, but just like, there's not a whole lot to do. And then 10% of the time, it is super intense. And you have to be on top of your game, you got to be able to handle pressure, you got to be able to to react quickly. And those are the things that I actually liked about the job because of the sports background. Um, but that's basically what it was like is, you know, 90% of the time you're just down there screwing around, like trying to keep busy and figure out what to do, waiting for that. When, a you know, a, a news story came out or earnings or, or something that would cause, um, some craziness. What brought you back to basketball? So <laughs> four years into working on wall street, um, and I was playing men's leagues the whole time. I remember I, uh, I was in a men's league, um, and you know, shot goes, I box a guy to like the foul line and ref blows the whistle and he calls a foul on me. And I lost it. I was like, you know, 25 years old at the time, still in good shape. I was like, hey, what are you talking about? That's exactly how you teach it. And this ref is like, <laughs> you know, I don't like, I'm making 30 bucks an hour here, like, or probably less at that time. Like, I don't want to hear from you. And I was just like, what am I doing arguing with this ref? And it, something clicked that I, I, I needed to get back involved in basketball at a high level to teach the game, not just how to box out, but just to, to teach the game. That's, I, I love the game. And, um, so I went home and I Googled local division two and three spots near where my office was. And, uh, Stevens tech popped up, which is in Hoboken, New Jersey. And strangely enough, my freshman basketball coach was 
working there as a coach. So I hit him up and I explained to him what I want to do. I was like, look, I got a full-time job. I don't want to like, I don't need money, but I, I would just want to help. And he's like, yeah, come on, come meet the head coach. Who's Josh Leffler. Um, who's now at Cincinnati as an assistant coach. He was at Hopkins for a while. And Josh was like, wait, so you want to help and not get paid? Yeah. Yeah. We'll take you. So, so for four years, I just did that. I worked and then I would shoot over Stevens and I just, I really enjoyed it. Like I'd be at my desk at, at work calling him and it was a different head coach the next three years, Bobby Hurley, who's still there at Stevens. And I just found that this is great. And I, I, I didn't want to jump in, like, you know, the coaching ranks, you got to jump in at like grad assistant and then climb, climb, climb. So I was like, I'm never going to do that. Like I got too good a job, but then Matt Lango got Colgate. And I remember hitting him up and be like, who's Dump going to hire at Temple? And, you know, looking back, that's ludicrous to just be out of the business to Temple assistant. But um, I knew I could do a good job or I thought I could. And, and I knew Dump. But he was like, how about, like, what do you think about Colgate? And I was like, where's Colgate? <laughs> you know, but then I thought about it and really was like, this is, this is a great opportunity to come in as an assistant coach under a guy that I really respect and trust. And, and, uh, and then just went for it hard and talked through it. And he, he was like, you should check into a mental institution, getting out of finance, coming into coaching. But if you want to do this, let's do it. And uh, so that, so I kind of got in, uh, not at the level that you have to get in always um, at that time. And, and then just kept going. Any regrets? No, no. I mean, I, I think regrets is not the right word because I love, like, I don't feel like I have a job now. It's great. Like you coach basketball. It's, it's tremendous. I would say um, some misinformation in my own head, right? Like I, I just assumed I was in finance. If you do well in your job, you make more money, right? That's just how it works. Right. And, uh, and coaching, I was just like, okay, we're going to kill it. I'm going to just, I'm going to be a division one head coach in five to 10 years. And I think that was flawed. I think we all know that that's a really hard thing to do from Colgate with my background, right? If you're an NBA player or you um, have some coaching blood in your, in your background, um, it might be a little easier, but we did really well. And I just remember for years being like, I, I don't know what my path is because this is such a hard business. It's, it's, I think I'm doing a good job. I think I, I know what leads to winning. I know how to recruit. I know how to coach, but it's not paying dividends. You're not moving up in the world. So that was, that was the only, I wouldn't call it a regret. I would just um, misinformation in my own head. Uh, well, I'm, what about, what about just the idea of like, you know, your fourth year in finance, I don't know how many years it would have taken you to really kill it. Right. But like you see those guys that work for funds or have their own fund and they can then, do it at literally whatever they want. Yeah. Right. And I just, was it, was it the right time or did you pull the ripcord early, you know, before you got to that, you know, magic seven figure level where you could do whatever the hell you wanted? I wasn't in a position. I don't think where I like was on a path to right. Like I wasn't um, investment banking to, buy side to portfolio manager, which is like a, like a very, for those that don't know, that's, that's like a very prominent path, right? I was a trader and I actually was interviewing for a job to be a trader at a hedge fund uh, that I probably would still be at, but I never was on the path to like, I didn't see a path where, I mean, I was making good money and I, I would have continued to increase, but I don't know. I just thought that this was the time to do something you love and figure it out later. Like I figured I'd figure out a way to make money 
and live. And obviously Hamilton's, the cost of living is way different than what I'm dealing with now in the New York city metropolitan area. But yeah, it, it just all kind of came together. And I don't know. I mean, it wasn't like I hated my job. I loved my job in finance, like trading, but this just seemed like I would, you know, I, the alarm would go off and I'd still be like, ah, oh, you know, now that doesn't happen anymore. So that's, that's really? the, probably the biggest difference. Why were why why has Langle why has he been so successful? He's the best coach in the country that no one knows about. Is is the is the best way to put it. He's extremely thoughtful in everything he does. So he's really smart. He knows the game really well, and he is the most genuine guy you'll ever meet. So those three things will lead to winning. Right now, he is not a guy that's on social media or in interviews that, um, you know, out there self-promoting, I guess. And so I've, I've no problem with self-promoting, but he's not that guy. So I think in his circles, everyone knows how special he is. And if you follow the Patriot league at all, or you've, you know, you've seen it because what, he, what he's done and what we did there is it's impressive. Like Colgate is a really hard place to recruit and key players yet he's done that we did that for many years now so i think he's just he thinks about everything and he cares and it's obvious that he cares and he he's really smart he knows the game um which i think a lot of coaches do but he the way he presents it and and how he can recruit to what he's doing is it's top level fox sports radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Uh, what about the old getting guys to play at that magic level? What's his secret to getting getting them to play so hard? I think um, honesty is a big part of his thing. Is like it, he'll be he'll be direct with you. Like you can do better, right? And he, he has he, he's very good with when you're not doing that, pulling you aside, having a meeting with you, talking through things. I mean, he he calls himself like a shrink because uh, you know the, there's there's so many instances where these kids just need um mentorship and and that will 
help them. But I think because he believes in people so much, they want to do well for him. And again, he's, you'll never hear him say anything like um, demeaning, but he drives you to be your best. And now a little bit of it is the culture that was created there. You know, you come in as a freshman and guys are just in the gym working and then practices, guys are competing. So it's like, if I don't do that, I'm sticking out. And that takes time, but that's where Colgate is at right now. As you go to a practice, it's just like, again, it's going to be the fourth year where they're old. But think about that. How does that work? Right. It means you're keeping players and you have one or two in each class that are leaders that are dictating how the rest of the program is working because that's what happened when they were freshmen and sophomores. So it's just, it's been a, a, a great cycle. And, you know, like you said before, sometimes you have three good years and then you have a rebuilding year. Well, it's been five, I think they made the championship six straight years now. So that's two cycles of recruiting classes. Right. Plus, when he got there, when you guys first got there, <clears throat> Bucknell was the dominant team in the league. Yeah. Right. Great town, yeah. awesome arena, good tradition. Right. And their fall has coincided with the rise of Colgate. And Colgate is, and I've, I've never been to Hamilton, but it's, it's not, it's not Bucknell. Right. Where, what is it? Lewiston? Lewisburg. Sorry, Lewis, Lewisburg. Uh, it's, it's not Lewisburg and the facility, I, you know, again, it's like a high school gym at Colgate, right? Whereas, uh, Lewis Bucknell's is really nice. Beautiful. Um, it's just interesting to be able to do it from the bottom to the top. And, you know, while there are other teams with maybe better resources and better history, um, that's, that's even, even more impressive. Um, what was it like to leave? It was difficult, but rewarding. Right. Like I'd been there 11 years and I knew this was going to be the case, but I recruited a lot of the players on the team, but I needed, I needed more like Matt now is in a really good spot and he might, and I don't know what he's going to do, but he might be there for 20 years. Right. And I, I just had bigger, I, I said this all the time, even on recruiting visits when parents would ask me like, what's your plan? And be like, look, like I love it here. I'm not leaving for just any job, but I have ambition. I want to be a head coach. And um, if the right opportunity ever presents itself, then yeah, I would have to take it. But like, it, it's going to take a lot because we had a real good thing going here. Matt's a great boss. We, like I said, we had it going. Um, but it was tough. I remember t- talking to the players and I'm not like the most emotional guy, but it, it, it was hard just to let them know, um, guys, I'm out of here. And, and, and even in the back of my head, I know like life will go on, you know, they'll, they'll still be good. And everyone's thinks they're more important than they are. And they'll still probably win the next couple of years, but it's just, you know, you, you feel like you're leaving um, a little bit of who you are. Cause I've been there 11 years, but on the flip side, I was so excited to finally be able to have my own flavor and control of a program. Right. And NYU it was the type of job that I thought was a really great opportunity that made sense leaving. And part of it was my family. I grew up in New Jersey. So I was coming back to the tri-state area and, and um, you know, there's, you haven't been to Hamilton, but there's not a whole lot out there. You're you're the town is beautiful. You're isolated though. And just getting back into civilization was exciting for me and my family. Um, So it all kind of, kind of made sense. Um, So very difficult to leave. We've made a lot of close relationships and had some friends that we had to leave, but we were excited and ready to, for the new challenge. So what's the challenge like to build it at your level? It's different. 
it's different in a lot of different ways. So number one, when I would recruit at Colgate, the first call, unless you were Northeast and kind of understood what was going on, nobody knew what Colgate was, right? Tremendous product, but you have to explain that. So there's there's people in the Midwest and West, they don't even know what Colgate is, right? Maybe they've seen us on the bracket, but they have no idea where we are, no idea what, what academics it are. But then they look it up and they see and they're like, oh, yeah, this is actually really good. NYU is the exact opposite. Everyone knows the NYU brand. Everyone is familiar with New York City. So that right off the bat was a completely different situation. I'm getting calls from guys. I mean, like like yourself, you know, like you got a friend that, oh, he really loves NYU. We never got that at Colgate. No one, no one is their sophomore, junior year saying, I want to go to Colgate. Like that's my dream school. Whereas we've had multiple players like NYU is my dream school. I really want to go to NYU. And they're good players. So that's one of the biggest differences just in terms of scope of school. Even though one's Division Three, one's Division One, And I'm talking on a relative basis here. Like, we're not out recruiting Colgate. But on a relative basis, it's been different in that regard. Now, similar to what we had at Colgate, when we took over at Colgate, it was a team that had been struggling, but there were some promising pieces. And I, I thought the same thing about this NYU. They had been struggling, but I was looking at the roster and saying, okay, um, if I can recruit one or two guys, which I ended up getting two tremendous grad transfers, which is part of the reason why we were good last year. Um, but I thought that it would take some time. But it, again, I just wanted to build it and start with the culture and try and get it to what it was at Colgate, where guys were competing and playing hard and in the gym all the time and playing for each other. Um, but I, 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 that takes time. And luckily, we had a group that really bought into just they all wanted to get better. So we were able to do it a little quicker than I thought, but it's it's not easy. It's not easy, and we're still working on it. Like I'm terrified about this year because we did have a little bit of success last year, and we all know how small the margins are in college basketball. That if our guys come in thinking they're too good or, or better than they are, we're going to get knocked off, which is what we were doing last year when nobody thought that was possible. What about you mentioned your two grad transfers? What was that experience like for you? Because I. I don't know for a fact, but I'm guessing at Colgate, you guys didn't have transfers. Yeah. So uh, Colgate actually, when we first got there and transfers again, weren't the, the thing that was our route. We, we got transfers and for about four years, four or five years, every transfer we got was all league. And then everybody got onto it. And now it's a little bit harder to get the good transfers at Colgate, but at NYU, because we have grad school, it's kind of a game changer. So we were able to get, you know, Spencer Friedman from Harvard as a grad transfer. And then Michael Savarino, Coach Krzyzewski's grandson from Duke as a grad transfer. And both those guys ended up, you know, Spencer was, I think, I'm biased, but he's the best point guard in the country at this level. And Savarino was a starter for us. So two guys that were able to come in and want to be in New York City and have great attitudes and just, you know, they had some struggles at their other school. And then it's like, boom. Here we go. Now I'm a leader of a team. I'm I'm playing. So they were just ready to lead. And um, again, we have two more grad transfers coming in. It's a route that I'll continue to look at. In addition to whatever everyone's zigging, I'll probably be zagging. But at NYU, you can out recruit some some guys. So we'll we'll, uh, we'll continue just trying to get the best available. Um, what's that? What was it like to coach your first game as a head coach? 
<laughs> so the first game I'm playing against uh, Farmingdale State and one of my closest friends, Brendan Toomey, who I worked with at Stevens. So I got the job and you don't know what the schedule is like when you get the job. And he hits me up. He's like, guess who your first game is against? <laughs> like no way that's impossible so so god it was a it was a weird experience because i'm rooting for him as well you obviously root for your friends and they're good like they they made the ncaa tournament this year so i was just like i can't believe my first game i'm gonna lose at home to my friend um it was like uh you know i'm happy for him but i'm nervous that this is what it's going to look like uh nyu losing to farmingdale state but we ended up playing out of our minds and I, I just remember him looking down and we, we must have shot 60% from three and him just looking down at me and be like, T class, what is going on here? Because <laughs> right? who shoots 60%? And I was like, I have no idea. This is ridiculous. And, um, but it was a precursor for, for things to come because we ended up did shoot, shooting really well this year, probably shot close to 40% as a team. And that was kind of what we did. We fired threes. How has, and I obviously it hasn't been a long time for you at the D3 level. But knowing how recruiting at the D1 level has changed, right, where guys, you know, outside of the top 100, a lot of dudes are just waiting for an offer. Sometimes they'll tell you, take a D2, take a D3, you know, have a good, have a good year or two, and then transfer up. Um, and some of that was more COVID, but still post-COVID, it's still, still happening with, with the transfer portal. H- how has that changed who you can go after when you go into a gym to recruit? So it's completely changed, right? Now, especially at NYU and knowing how successful grad transfers have been, well, of course I'm going to look at that again. So part of some of our best recruiting this fall is going to be calling my buddies at the Ivies and Patriots and be like, all right, who are your seniors that can't transfer up, can't transfer laterally, but can want to continue to play and are pretty good. And there's our, guys on our radar right um it, it's 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 changed and i i am a little bit nervous and i'm curious to see how it's going to play out if there's going to be the trickle up effect at our level right like it's happened at the low majors now and there's this few holdouts that that like colgate where the guys aren't leaving but pretty much across the board if you have a good first two years you're going up right is that going to trickle down to our level where we're high level D3, are those guys going to go low level D1? I, I don't know, you know, after two years, I, I hope because of our academics that you're giving up that NYU degree that maybe it won't hit us as hard, but I am waiting patiently, hopefully for that not to happen. Um, but it is something that I think about. And, and again, like it's, it, it's past the point where, uh, loyalty I don't, and I, i'm i'm not saying i wouldn't do the same thing but you just have to understand that there's a chance that may happen if a guy has a monster freshman sophomore year you may have a sit down with him and him say i i, I gotta go especially with the money involved now i gotta go try and go a little bit higher and i'll be upset and i'll talk through it and try and give the best advice possible but sometimes that advice is wait they're gonna pay you what yeah you know and it's still a pretty good school all right, it sucks for us, but I get it. What is D3 like from a coaching perspective? Because you, what, do you have one assistant? I have two full-time assistants and a part-time. So a little okay. bit different than most D3s. Right. What? So what is like, this is all you do, but do you guys chase them to class? You know, um, 
are you are you in on every workout? Do you guys have summer workout programs? Like what is what is the job like at your level compared to other levels? So D3, there's no off-season workouts, right? So summer, um, they just added a rule actually this year we get eight out-of-season time days with our players. So that does change the game a little bit. Um, but it's different. Like the summer, the fall, and postseason, there's just not that much you can do with the guys, right? Like it's not the full-time job it is out of season that it is in D1, right? You're still doing workouts and lift, and then you have them back for the summer a little bit. Whereas our guys, it's, you know, summer, we're checking in with them weekly, trying to get on the phone with them. What are you doing? What are you doing basketball-wise? Trying to help them find workouts, find pickup games, but it's it's a lot different which is good like i mean i i enjoy the summers and the fall so far but it, i feel like i have a million other things to do meaning okay let's run a camp let's let's get uh on the road a little bit more let's let's uh start to think about team activities that we can do um all those things you just have a little bit more time to think about but once you're in season it's pretty much exactly the same Right. Then then because we can do individual workouts and and things like that, uh, we'll have practice. Then they'll get with the, the assistant coaches and get some extra work in or come later and uh, either by themselves or with a coach. Sometimes in the morning they'll come in for film. So it's it's pretty similar during the year. But outside, it's completely different. I just you feel like you're involved in everything at D1 as a coach. And D3, it's there, there's just not as much as that. And again, you asked about like walking a class. Um, we were fortunate enough at Colgate not to have to worry about that as much. There were a couple guys, like I would say, you know, one guy every two years that you really were worried about on the academic side. But for the most part, these guys take care of themselves. And especially at NYU, where they there's no, you know, you're not getting in the the guy down here on the academic totem pole, right? They, these guys are getting in on own for the most part. So they're so driven that they are, they're motivating themselves to do what they need to do in the classroom. So I came in like, yeah, we're going to do study hall, this and that we're going to meet. And I talked to a lot of the other coaches, like you don't really need all that. You're not going to need all that. They're going to, they're going to take care of themselves. And, and we still try and monitor it because they're 18 to 22 year olds and they screw up. But for the most part, these guys are on their own and they are self-motivated to do the best they can in the classroom. What's the goal, right? Like you said, you want to be a coach. Now you're a coach. I'm sure you want to try and win a division three national championship. Right. But it's interesting, right? Like Matt's a perfect example. Maybe those guys have it figured out, right? That like, like just go somewhere that you can build a team and have the same guys back instead of, you know, what is it? More money, more problems. Right. And that high level stuff. Um, one, a lot of times you got to go to a place that you don't really know anybody. Right. And it becomes kind of insular. So it's like you can bring your friends, but still it's, it's a weird, but two, you're just, you know, especially now, as you mentioned with the NIL, like, I don't know. I mean, you're literally making a new team every year. And as, as you know, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, like I, I just, I think the magic to college athletics is watching a kid like you come in as a freshman is one thing. And then by a seat, right. Like, and then all the things you do together. And obviously I, I transferred and I may have transferred. Had I not gotten in trouble at, at Notre mm -hmm. Dame, 
But I'm like, I remember we're, we're playing in the Sweet 16. We're playing Seton Hall, Tommy Amaker's team. And uh, we had a play we had stolen from Tim Floyd called Cyclone. And we ran the shit out of it our sophomore year and some our junior year. And we never put it in our senior year, ever. And uh, they were guarding us weird. They were not guarding us with two dudes. And it was like a, instead of a triangle and two, it was like a guard three and an eye, you know, kind of formation. So we came up with the idea of, hey, like, let's, let's run Cyclone. Everybody know it? Yeah. Like, hadn't practiced it, yeah. hadn't talked about it. Coaches didn't say anything. We're just like, started running Cyclone. And then we come over to the sideline and Sean was like, Sean Sutton, who's, uh, who's like, he's basically the offensive coordinator. Yeah. He's like, y'all run Cyclone? It's like, yeah, that's a good idea. It's like, you know, shit. And then we had a, an inbounds play we ran and we like all saw it. And I mean, just a little, you know, like diagonal screen or whatever. And, uh, you know, screen the screen reaction, but we didn't have it in the package. And, you know, in the sweet 16 games, yeah. you got a week to go through all the film. So they go through every game that you, yep. but they didn't, they didn't go through last year. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but the idea that you can actually run stuff and talk about reference things from a previous year. I was at Oklahoma state watching them work out this summer. They got nine new guys, nine, not a player. Uh, they have one player in their program. Uh, and he's one player in the program who started his career at Oklahoma State. As, and that's still, that's, that's a yeah. sophomore beyond, right? They have like six freshmen, but like, it's crazy, crazy. So I guess that's the question to you, right? You're in New York. It's very early on, right? It's not like you've been there for 10 years. What's the thoughts of the climb as opposed to be happy where you are? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to touch on two different things here because you brought up something I think is really important. And, you know, in this day and age, freedom of choice is so important. And I, and I feel strongly about that. Like kids and coaches should have choice, right? So that's why this transfer thing has blown up because we were restricting their ability to have choice. The unintended consequences of that is you lose what you just talked about and was what my best experience of college was, right? The roller coaster and being with those same guys over four years and and going to the locker room and and making fun of Dom for or you know imitating his voices you know like those things are so fun and now you look at what college basketball is at the higher levels and there's none of that like you're you're basically friends for a year you may stay in touch but like are are six of those or you know I think I had six or seven guys at my wedding on my team right and there some of these guys are my best friends I don't know if you get that anymore which is what college sports to me and you and, and everybody in our generation was kind of about. And now it's like, okay, well, at least they have choice, but their experience isn't as good. So, so it's like, it, it, I don't know what the right. I don't think is. it was the, un- I, I, I know it's become like unintended consequences, but I, I mean, I hate to say it, but I, I would tell them people this shit was coming a long time ago. I remember when I was coming out, uh, when I was going into college, Sporting, I used to get the sporting news, and they had there was a poll there where 68% of college basketball players would transfer if they didn't have to sit out a year. Mm. I was like 68%. So, I mean, obviously, like 10% of the best players, <laughs> they get all the shots, they ain't going anywhere. You know, probably another 10% are like, you know, I'm, I'm gonna be the best player. So, and then it's like everybody else. It's a, but it's a, uh, I mean, look, basketball can be a, 
sea of unhappiness. You know, there's one basketball, there's 12 guys. Only one guy gets to shoot. Um, that, that doesn't always work out great for everybody, but yeah, I just, I don't know how we put the genie back in the bottle, but it's like all of the things that made the sport great with the exception of the NCAA tournament. It's like the only thing that remains the same, um, are gone, Mm -hmm. you know, are gone. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 I'd like to think that people had their best intentions at heart in evolving it, you know, that they just wanted to, like you said, give co- kids a, 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 a choice. And now it's, you know, put some money in kids' pockets, but we had a pendulum has swung to a, to a, a level that it's not in a super healthy place mm-hmm. from people who like love it. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the other part to it is, like most guys, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. Most guys, like they, they love it. Like this is not a financial win. You know, mm-hmm. you're not like, hey man, when I get to 63, I'm shutting it down, and I'm going to live on an island, and I got a boat, and I got another house. Like mm, that's not how it works for most people, right? Um, so I just, I do wonder how you fix it, but I do think that like a Division Two and Division Threes, they can be a little bit of the beneficiary of all the mess that's division one. I completely agree. And, and when you ask about, so now I'll come back to the original question of just goals. Yeah. I don't want to be at that level. And and it's hard to say that because they throw so much money at you that it's like, all right, well, can I put up with that for 4 million a year? Probably, but it's not why I got into coaching. It's not what I enjoy about coaching. So for me, like when I took this job, I took this full well knowing that this was a good spot to be. And if I'm there for 20 years, that's great. Now, I do think that the Ivies and the Patriots to a degree and some of the other high academic schools have a little bit of what we have at the lower levels of building. Sure. And, and um, so, again, like if, if they came calling, sure, I, I'd entertain it. But to me, this is where I want to be. This is where I want to grow. I think I can have a really good life. You know, forget about winning which I also think I can do, but I think I can enjoy life with my family um, at this spot. Um, I think it's, I think it's, again, I'm biased. I think it's the best division three job in the country. Um, I think we can win. I think I can have a good work life balance, but again, like I don't want to say nothing would entertain me because I, I do like, there is a, there is a difference between D1 and D3. And the example I use is when we won at Colgate, and got to the NCAA tournament, I must have had 500 texts, right? From friends, from people in the business. It's just everybody cares, right? It's the NCAA tournament. It's just the, the magnitude is so big. In Division Three, I haven't done this yet, but if you win the national championship, nobody knows except for the Division Three circles, right? Like there's there's people that are Division One coaches that if you're like, who won the Division Three championship? They may not know, right? And that's, no one would would feel that like, and even like my friends that aren't in basketball that I live next to, like, they don't know how I'm doing. So that, but they would know if Colgate won a game in the NCAA tournament or made the tournament. Right. So the scope is just so much bigger. And I'm not saying I need that. I'm just saying that is what the difference is. No, but you is. want your, everybody wants their work to be recognized. Yes. And that's, yes. That's, that's, that's very normal. Yeah. Um, 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Is Penn the dream job? Penn is a, a, a uh, I don't know if I have a dream job. I feel, I, I'm always like, I just like where I am usually, right? So I, I don't want to say dream job. Penn is obviously a, a tremendous job that if I ever got the opportunity, that would be a, a really special opportunity, you know, going back to your alma mater and, and doing what you love and hoping to take them to new levels. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the schools that, fits in that bucket that I just talked about where I think you can still have the experience of coaching and, and building and not just, um, you know, talent acquisition, which is essentially what high level basketball is right now. But I think because of the pen degree, you're, you can build and people don't want to just leave. Like there's other reasons keeping them there, which is a pen degree or a Wharton degree, whatever school you're in at Penn. Um, so it would take a lot to leave Penn if you're a player, but you know, they just lost their best player because, He's about to get paid, right, to St. John. So it does happen. I, and like I said before, you have to be okay with that situation arising or you, at this point you can't be in this business. How do you do the work-life balance thing? It's challenging. It's challenging. I think every coach will would say the same. And, again, I have three kids under seven right now, so there's a lot. It's a, My wife is a saint, and she is supportive, and you need that. Um, I think it helps tremendously, but I just try and try and do the best you can at, at everything, right? So can I schedule a, a practice where I can make my kids game at 9 a.m., which is great to be the head coach because you can do some of those things now. Um, and then just being present when you when you can be present um with the family and trying to just juggle as many things as possible, but also giving your all to the team and the players and the school. Um, but it's challenging. There, there's times where uh, you have to be away from the family, and um, that's tough. That's tough. You, but there's times now that you can't do much in the summer where I get a little bit extra time with the family. So um, I think it's possible. I think it's changed a lot over the years, too, that maybe 15, 20 years ago, it was like, if you're not in the office at 8 and leaving at 8, you're not doing a good job. But like we're having this conversation on a computer right now, right? So there's a lot that you can do from home like I get my best work done from, you know, nine o'clock to 11 o'clock when my kids are in bed, right? That 
I don't know if you could have done 15 to 20 years ago, uh, or even when I started 11 years ago. So there is a lot you can do if you're efficient from a computer, from a phone, which makes it a little bit easier to manage your work-life balance. Hmm. Um, hardest trip. What's, what's the most difficult environment to play in in Division Three that you've, you've competed in yet? We played at Chicago and they had it, they had it pumping a little bit. It was a nice, uh, again, a, a university of Chicago, university of Chicago. I would say that was probably our best atmosphere, um, this year I'm trying to think who else we played, but that was, they, they seat about probably 1500 to 2000. There's probably about a thousand people there, but it gets loud. It's one of those gyms that gets loud. Even however many people are there, um, the court comes like there's, it's, it's, very similar to what our gym is going to look like now and to what Colgate's look like when it's set up. So it was pretty fun. I mean, this year we play at Yeshiva, which they are known for packing them in. It's a smaller gym, but it's going to be rocking because they're going to be really good. <laughs> We're going to be pretty good. And that's going to be an extremely tough road game. And that atmosphere will be pretty special. Do do your guys, like, how does it work when they're around playing pickup ball in the summer? Just do they, like, do they cross-pollinate with the Yeshiva guys at all? No, Yeshiva is so far away. Like I'm not so far away, but relatively speaking, in New York City, it's it's uh, probably a 45 minute ride. Um, I don't. Again, Division One, Division Three is different. Like we only have seven or eight guys around, and most of them are in internships, right? So I think they joined a summer league this year. But uh, we have a couple guys. Everybody hits me up in, in the summers, coaches. Hey, my guys gonna be in New York City. Can you play with your guys? So that will be something that happens. Our gym just opened. So we're still organizing these type of things. Well, I can't organize them, but um, I've told coaches like, yeah, I'll get you, like they can, I'll put them in touch with my players and whenever they're playing, they're more than welcome to, uh, you know, there's a, there's a small fee membership that you can do. So if you do have players in New York city, hit me up. And uh, I think going forward, now that we have the gym available, we'll have some pretty good pickup games for, for our guys going forward this year and in future years. What separates your style as a coach? I think just the, the detail that I try and coach with. And just, again, taking this from coach Langle, Matt Langle and Fran Dunphy is just being honest and being genuine. Right. I think, I think information is what these kids want in this day and age. Like, it's not like, like what we were talking about. It's like, don't let them go around you. Right. Like that's, like, or, or don't do this, do this because I said so. It, it just doesn't work with this generation. So you have to explain the why. And I watch a lot of film. I read a lot of, a lot of articles. Uh, I'm a big stack guy. So I have numbers to back up things, but I usually can explain like, this is why we're doing this. And, and it's, it's, it's valuable. So I think just being honest and, and helping these guys understand the why, like all of my decisions have thought in them. So you're gonna have to trust me a little bit, but we can talk about it also because it's not just like I'm saying like, okay, we're we're doing that, right? Like I've thought about it, we've talked about it as a staff, we've talked about it probably amongst the team. And I think it's really valuable for me in the way I coach is um to be honest and be genuine and help them get to be the best versions of themselves they can be. When you're on the sideline, right? Who are you most like? Matt, Dump, your high school coach. Who do you like? If somebody was, oh, that's who he's, who, who are you most like? I'd like to think I'm my own person, 
but I have taken bits and pieces from all of them. Um, I think, I think uh, what I've, I'll go through a couple of things I've taken from, from each of them, right? I think my high school coach, I've taken the ability to uh, be demanding without being demeaning. Um, from Dumpf, I've taken the intensity of being ultra competitive at all times. Like it's just who I am. It's why we got along. It's probably why he recruited me. And from Matt, I've taken the level-headedness, right? So uh, I'd like to try and combine all those, but I, I'm just way different. My personality is just so different than all three of those guys that I, I can't I can't say I'm most like one of them because I'm just so different individually than each of those guys. Last thing, who outside of the guys we've talked about, who do you marvel at as a coach? That you're like, man, that guy's really good. To me, any level. You know, I was a big fan of Brad Stevens. I don't know if that's a cop out because uh, he's not a coach anymore, but I just thought his ability to communicate and use numbers to back up his decisions, but not ultimately decide his decisions is somebody that I always like had respect for and, and, and was rooting for because again, he, he is a guy when you watch him coach, I never saw a practice, but I've, I've heard about his practices that he just, he's very level-headed, but he is an expert in basketball. So again, when you're teaching and it makes sense, yeah, guys are going to do it. And for me, that was always a guy that I, I really uh, respected and, and looked up to um, just from afar. Hey man, listen, you've been awesome with your time and you now have a fan. I can't, I will, I will search out and find out when you win the division three national championship and then I'll tweet <laughs> it. And then all your friends will know. I will, we'll do the, we'll do the, we'll do the, 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 the tweet chain. Uh, <laughs> but in the meantime, enjoy what remains of your summer and those three little kids. And uh, don't be afraid to close up that laptop at nine, 9 PM uh, and, and, and take care of mama because three under seven is a lot. Oh, <laughs> yes. A lot, a lot. And uh, I, I appreciate you joining me. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, this was fun. I'm glad you had me on. And uh, when you're in New York, hit me up. Come to a game. You got to see I each other. Get some players. I got some dudes. Got some <laughs> yeah, dudes. Everybody's got dudes. <laughs> All right, man. Talk soon. I'll talk to you. All right, my thanks to David Klatsky. That was awesome. And a guy in a program you want to keep an eye on, not just in New York, but nationally with Division three level. And let's see what happens when jobs open but it is a that's a high level d3 job with high level players and i can't wait to see what they what they do this year hey thanks so much for listening reminder the doug gottlieb show is daily three to five eastern of course we have the in the bonus podcast which is kind of a no holds barred daily sports pod and then you tell your friends about uh all ball and if you have any suggestions people you want to have on we're start cranking them out with more regularity hit me up on twitter at gottlieb show also on instagram at gottlieb show I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. At Bed 
1-800-636-3665. We don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.